The baby bye week is over and Vikings football is back in action as we welcome you to the 9-2 edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. My name is Gabe Henderson from the Vikings Entertainment Network and uh, joining me tonight to break down this week 13 Vikings versus Jets matchup is friend of the show, Matthew Kyler from the Purple Insider. And um, I don't know if it's just me finally getting over my food coma from Thanksgiving or trying to pitch myself that uh, we're, we're two wins away from clinching the NFC North, but I'm ready to see what this Minnesota Vikings team is going to do uh, on Sunday against this gang green from New York. Yeah, I know. It's hard not to start thinking about the playoffs already because of, you know, where this team is at and what's happened with the NFC North that somehow the Vikings put a hex on every team in the NFC North, whether it's the Lions not being able to figure out how to manage late games and win them or Green Bay falling off in a way that Vikings fans have not seen in a very, very long time. I mean, even in 2018, when the Packers were not that good, it wasn't like this where they just weren't even competing with the Vikings. Vikings for the division. It's kind of kind of wild. But this matchup with the Jets is actually a big one in my mind, not just because of seeding or where you stand in the playoffs. I mean, their their standing is pretty solid. And if they don't win this game, uh, it's not the end of the world. But at the same time, it's another really good test for how they face off with an elite defense and an offense that actually has some playmakers and a quarterback that has instilled the new confidence into the New York Jets. I mean, you're facing a team that feels really, really good about itself after beating the Chicago Bears the way that they did last week. So, you know, I think that this is another good test. And it also, I mean, I was very, very impressed by the way that Kevin O'Connell adapted on offense to beat the New England Patriots and get that passing game going and really have the passing game drive their success through all four quarters. It wasn't really like uh, just, oh, they showed it up in the fourth quarter or they just had that opening script that worked out. It was really a pretty consistent effort all the way through. But can they do that again against a terrific defensive line and a phenomenal, phenomenal defensive coach in Robert Sala coming off of that win against Bill Belichick's team? Yeah, for sure. Uh, This 7-4 and Jets team that comes to U.S. Bank Stadium uh, to face the 9-2 Vikings kickoff at noon Central Time uh, on CBS. This is going to be an interesting matchup because, you know, after beating the Patriots last week, you, you say, OK, well, the Patriots beat the Jets twice this year. So this should be an easier win. But you made a good point. This defense, they propose a lot of problems for Kirk Cousins and this Minnesota Vikings offense to you. What are some of those concerns or some of those problems? Yeah, I think, I mean, number one is Quinn Williams and the middle of their pass rush. They also have a deep pass rush. It's not just one guy, but where I think we've seen the kryptonite over the years for the Vikings offense, no matter if it was, John Filippo, Gary Kubiak, Kevin Stefanski, Clint Kubiak, or Kevin O'Connell calling the plays, it's always been interior pressure, which has made things really difficult for them. And uh, we saw that in Washington a couple of weeks ago where it was Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, and those guys were putting pressure on Cousins that he is very, very good when he's working in rhythm. But when people get in his face, it's just not easy for him. I mean, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not going to – I know he hit 18 miles an hour or whatever running for a touchdown earlier this year. I mean, he wears 
he, he wears number eight and, and wears purple too. So why not? So yeah, it's close. <laughs> um, but you know, he's not going to take off and run left or right uh, or escape for a 20 yard run or something like that. When there's pressure up the middle, it really speeds up his process. And I think that that's caused the Vikings some problems. Also when the Vikings can't get a running game going and uh, then they're sort of forced into those situations where you're talking about third and seven, third and eight, third and nine, where the other team can really pin its ears back. I mean, it's a a lot of fundamental football stuff uh, that comes into these matchups in the trenches. Uh, I was impressed by the way that O'Connell moved the pocket around and went back to yeah. kind of some of the Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak stuff. I mean, there's a reason why Gary had a lot of success throughout the years in the NFL with those play actions and bootlegs. And we also saw CJ Ham get a little more work in the backfield last week. And when I looked back at the tape, you could really see even when CJ Ham's in there, when there's motions, or play actions, you could see some of the defenders looking a little confused, a little conflicted and space being created. And plus cousins on the run and on the move, when he's using those play actions and bootlegs, he's just very good. Like that. He seems very yes. comfortable when he's rolling to his right or he's rolling to his left and throwing. And I thought that O'Connell used that brilliantly to create some time to throw for him against new England. And they'll definitely have to do that again against the jets. Those are all really good points because that, that's something that, that really stood out to me when I was watching the game last week, as far as the Patriots game versus the Cowboys game, Kirk cousins, was rolling out of the pocket more times than none. Clearly, Kevin O'Connell went back to the film after that Dallas Cowboys game and said, okay, we need to get the ball out of Kirk Cousins' hands early, one, and then get him out of the pocket to keep the defense guessing. For success going forward, understanding that this is a team that can beat you both by drop back and both by getting outside of the pocket. How do you define success for this Vikings offense? Getting the ball out of Kirk Cousins' hands early or just letting him be Kirk? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, it has to be a combination of those things, but I think it's picking okay. the right times to go down the field is really what it means. I mean, because his average depth of target was not that deep against New England. I mean, he did have a yeah. lot of short passes and short completions, but then at the times where they needed it most, he was firing it downfield and finding a way uh, to hit Justin Jefferson. And you have to be patient with that because you know that the Jets are going to try to get Sauce Gardner on him. You also know that their other cornerback, DJ Reed, is very good. So there might have to be patience on Kirk Cousins' point. I mean, it might have to be checkdowns or throws to Delvin Cook, you know, who I think is really big in this formula is TJ Hawkinson, that he kind of changes the game when it comes to this Vikings offense because you can get seven to ten yards yard completions to TJ Hawkinson over and over and then look for those deep shots to Justin Jefferson. It gives the opposing defense another guy to think about. And I think it's, I think it's hard for opposing defenses. And we know that cousins can complete 80% of his passes through a game when the opposing quarterback is just throwing completion after completion after completion. I mean, I think it gets frustrating and, and the defensive linemen are pinning their ears back and they're coming after the quarterback, but the ball's out in two seconds. And then all of a sudden, after you've worn them down over a game with running the ball and those quick passes, then you hit that deep shot to Justin Jefferson where you actually do get time. Or Adam Thielen, as we saw in the end zone on those deep crossers. I think that's important. Um, I, I don't think that at any point this year we've really seen a fully complete offensive performance. We're still kind of waiting on that. But you always yeah. see... You always see like the hints of it. You see what Hawkinson brings. You see what Jefferson brings, but Osborne hasn't been that involved. Cook hasn't been that involved in the passing game. Like there's still meat on the bone for this offense 
to even improve as we go down the stretch and what better opponent to face than one of the best defenses in the NFL to try to keep that momentum going from New England. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point you just hit on. The the fact that we're still winning these games, however we're winning them, and things have not clicked on all cylinders on the offense, defense, or special team side of the ball, I think that is encouraging. At the same time, it can make you scratch your head a little bit because, you know, the defensive side of the ball, we're, we're, we're living off of sacks and turnovers and we, I mean we're in the top 15 in both of those categories and then on the offensive side of the ball um, you, you see flashes here you see flashes there and uh, Dalvin Cook he had two yards per carry against the uh, New England Patriots last week and I, and I think all of those yards were felt I think the New England Patriots felt every single 42 of those yards because they were hard hard fought they kept the defense honest and you had to respect the run game because like that Dolphins game or like the Buffalo Bills game. Dalvin can, can bust you for a long run. But uh, TJ Hawkinson, uh, 26 catches, almost 200 yards. I uh, got his first touchdown this past Thursday against the New England Patriots. Is, is he on par as far as expectations for you, or has he exceeded them in his first four games as a Minnesota Viking? Yeah, I mean, I think that he probably has been – Uh, I mean, I had high expectations for the move. So I would say on par with them that I thought there was a possibility he would become one of Kirk Cousins, if not Kirk Cousins' favorite target. Of course, it's going to be Jefferson number one, but next to Jefferson, his favorite target. And I think that's what we've seen play out. Um, His adaptation into the offense after not playing for this football team and then showing up and playing 60 plays against Washington. Now that really did surprise me because I thought this is – you know, going to be hard for such a challenging position. I, I mean, I think there's a case to be made that it's one of the most complex positions in the sport because you have to play as an offensive lineman half the time and then as a receiver half the time. And, you know, there's just a lot of different levels to that. You have to do a lot of reads with linebackers, with defensive backs. And TJ Hawkinson, I mean, I think we really see his intelligence there uh, in the way that he's been able to adapt himself to this offense. But also, you know, he's got good speed. He's good with the football in his hands. I mean, he's a guy that can be a security blanket, but he can also go downfield a little. And we saw it a couple of times in Washington where it was third down in something, third and seven, third and eight. And there's TJ Hawkinson coming through that if all the attention is going to go on to Justin Jefferson, Hawkinson is there. I think that really from day one, when they made that move, you sort of envisioned a world where he became a huge weapon for this team and sort of made them a more complete passing game. And it's, it's been that really in spades since he got here. And I mean, I think that uh, when they made that move, it was kind of, you know, there's maybe a debate of, is it pushing the chips into the middle of the table? Is it going full Rams or whatever? Like, I, I don't know if it's quite that uh, it's not like they gave up three firsts for him, but it was a move to kind of make a bet on themselves and where they stand. And that bet so far has paid off and you could see it continuing to pay dividends as he becomes even more comfortable with the offense. Yeah. He's getting very comfortable and uh I'm getting very comfortable talking to you right now on the Vikings radio network, but uh, we got to go to break. And uh, when we get back from the break, I want to pose a question regarding this Vikings defense and how they can start to to see some progress going forward. So uh, Vikings fans, don't turn the dial. We'll be right back with the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. Hey, Vikings fans. Right now, you can pick up a commemorative Vikings cup at U.S. Bank Stadium. Fill it with an ice cold Pepsi and you'll be ready for football watching.
Spa Montage is the Twin Cities premier salon and spa destination and proud official hair sponsor of the Minnesota Vikings cheerleaders. With three convenient locations in Edina, Woodbury, and Chanhassen, there's a Spalon close to you. Visit online at Spalon.com. Welcome back to the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. My name is Gabe Henderson. Uh, We got Matthew Collar from the Purple Insider joining me today. Uh, Eric Davison from the Vikings Entertainment Network, producer on the ones and twos. And uh, Matthew, we talked about the offense uh, at, at the first portion of this show and moving to the defensive side of the ball. I think facing Mike White, who, you know, is going to get much deserved national attention just based off of his performance last week, uh, 315 yards, three touchdowns. I believe this past Thursday's game against the New England Patriots prepared us for Mike White. And I'm saying that because Bill Belichick's offense, it's all nickel and diming you down the field. Five yards here, 10 yards here. And I do feel like we prepared for that from the defensive perspective. And and, and that's why, in my opinion, that Mac Jones was able to take some deep shots down the field. It was like, oh, the middle of the field is wide open because they're they're preparing for me to just to throw a slant route here. When you when you fast forward to Mike White and this New York Jets offense and how he succeeds, they do similar things. He doesn't make too many bad decisions. He, he throws the ball. He gets it out quick. It's all timing, all rhythm. But I think this Vikings defense is prepared for both because they've been beat both ways. How do you feel like they can prepare for Mike White on Sunday, who is looking to go 3-0 and as a starting quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, I think that it's really all about pressure with Mike White because uh, last week he was only under pressure, according to PFF, three dropbacks out of 30, which I don't know if I've ever seen a rate that low, but that's the Chicago bears defense right now after they got rid of their best pass rusher and top linebacker. I mean, they can't get after the quarterback at all. They don't have Zadarius Smith. They don't have Daniel Hunter, but you know, a really big factor here too is the return of Delvin Tomlinson or the very likely return of Delvin Tomlinson, because he's actually been one of the better pass rushing defensive tackles in the league, which I didn't think I would be saying this year, but for whatever reason, he's been a great fit. Also, you know, players like him with high intelligence, they improve over a career. And it seems like that's the biggest area where he's improved. And another PFF stat for you. I mean, he's been in the top 10 in terms of pass rush win rate this year, which again, I mean, that's where like Quinn and Williams and, you know, guys like Aaron Donald live, not usually Delvin Tomlinson, but he's been that good and not having him. I think, especially last week with Mac Jones, they rarely pressured Mac Jones. If you could slow down Zadarius and Daniil even a little bit, that kind of eliminates the pass rush. If you don't have one other guy pushing the pocket and getting in the face of the quarterback and uh, Mike White, the other thing they're going to have to look for is just the play action game that, yeah. I mean, that is a, it's a LaFleur type of staple. It's a going all the way back the Kubiak, the Shanahan, like they want to do a lot of that stuff and try to yeah. make it as easy as possible. And I think that's why they were frustrated with Zach Wilson is that if you just execute the things that are drawn out for you, a lot of times you can have success. And I think where the Vikings have to be concerned, and maybe this will help uh, if a Caleb Evans is good to go on Sunday, which it looks like he is, uh, but they have playmakers. I mean, they have receivers that they draft drafted high and Garrett Wilson has shown some star potential. Elijah Moore all of a sudden came to life after being a guy that was rarely getting targeted earlier this year. And, uh, you know, I, I think that Mike white, what he could do is get the ball out and get the ball into the hands of some of their playmakers. So the Vikings do have to be concerned about Mike white, even though like maybe, you know, it's not exactly the same circumstances as he had um, with a preseason level defense going against Chicago last week. So it's going to be more difficult for him, but I think it comes down to when you don't have 
the biggest arm or the most athletic quarterback, and it's just a guy who's trying to execute it. How can you disrupt that? We know that Ed Donatel's defense isn't going to give a whole lot of confusing looks and, and send a ton of blitzes or anything like that. So it really comes down to, can that front four rush him? And then similar to the Vikings, can you stop the run game? And that's where the Vikings defense, I think has really even though they've given up a lot of yards through the air, they've really shined except for the Dallas game is being able to shut down the run game. So, so you're having to pass out of those third and long situations all the time. I don't think you really trust Mike white to be able to do that. Yeah. We're talking to uh, Matthew Collar from the purple insider here on the Vikings radio network. This is the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Uh, my name's Gabe Henderson and uh, Collar. There is going to be a ton of coverage for Sunday's game. If there was one stat that stands out to you that could be the determining factor for Sunday's game at U.S. Bank Stadium at noon, what would that stat be for you and why? Yeah, I think that it's, and I'm going to try to quote this off the top of my head, but I think that they're number two in the league in quarterback knockdowns and number one was Dallas. Yep. So that's the thing that you really have to worry about is this violent defensive line. And I think that they can carry on their defense throughout the playoffs. And if you remember, I mean, I know it's a different coaching staff, but Robert Sala 2019 versus the Vikings offense. I mean, they just had absolutely nothing in San Francisco on offense in that game. And I'm sure that uh, Kirk cousins and a lot of the other players that are on this team. Now, Adam Thielen that, that were there, uh, Delvin cook probably remember that, that Robert Sala is one of the elite defensive minds in the world. And I think that, you know, that can, that can guide that team to the playoffs. And I think that it, it's hard to see them making a super bowl with Mike white. It's not impossible. Rex Grossman <laughs> did it once. It can, yeah. it can be done. I, I watched Nick Foles win an NFC championship in Philadelphia it can be done. Uh, but would you want to face them like in the first round after they've beaten Buffalo, they've beaten new England. Like they, they could be a little bit of a scary team, especially if their offense is actually better with Mike white. I think I'm still just a little bit skeptical, whether the Mike white experiment can go week after week after week, usually with journeyman and backup quarterbacks, it's kind of the, uh, the up and down um, if you will. So, you know, I, I but I, I have a lot of respect for this jets team. I mean, for years they've been, grinding away, drafting high, trying to put together this team. And Salah has kind of built this team, especially with Sauce Gardner and Quinn Williams. He's kind of built this team in his vision as this defensive monster. Um, so I think I mean, it will be a really great test for the Vikings. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, with kind of a renewed energy by benching Zach Wilson, that they uh, are a dangerous team that nobody really wants to go against. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, this that that's one thing I respect about this Jets team is that the fact that they did it through the draft. Like, yeah, they they signed some key free agents. You, I mean, Tyler Conklin, former Vikings tight end, that you bring in CJ Uzoma, but their O line, they did it through the draft. Their receivers, their DBs, they did that through the draft. So the fact that they have, you know, found a, a method for success, I think that that should definitely, you know, keep this Vikings team on their toes because at this point in the year. And Eric Kendrick said it earlier this week, the Vikings are going to get everyone's best game of the year now. Like the Vikings are the, the team that everyone is hunting. So the Vikings have to change their mindset to, to that and understand that, OK, yeah, this is a really good team coming in, but they want to put on their best performance on Sunday. And I, I think that's something that, you know, for me that we need to continue to watch is are these players going to continue to get up for these games? And not look at it as, all right, well, we got to show up and we got to play hard versus, no, they're coming to kick us in our mouth. For you, 
Have you seen a, a mindset shift in the locker room for this Vikings team? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a shift exactly, but every week is sort of building on we believe in ourselves a little bit more. And even the Dallas game, it was hugely beneficial for them to come out and win four days later. And they could just look at that Dallas game as a typical blip along the way that just happens to almost every team. Usually 40 to three does not happen against every team, but, but, but those things do happen. I mean, the Los Angeles Rams, they had a, a pretty bad loss against Tennessee, I think, or against San Francisco last year along the way. Like every team that's a winner usually has that bad loss. Um, and it had some concerning things about it, but to kind of wash that away almost instantly, it just galvanizes this locker room further. And I think really from day one with Kevin O'Connell, he came in and he wanted this group to believe in itself. And as it has gone along and they've won and it's worked, I think you've seen it, but I am really interested that, you know, okay, so the playoffs are a virtual lock. But what do you look like as you're going into the playoffs? And that has to do with health. It has to do with has your offense truly found its identity where it's it's been kind of a roller coaster of opening scripts and fourth quarter comebacks. And then in between, we're kind of going, are you guys okay? Um, but, uh, you know, and the same thing with the defense where it's like, it, okay, fourth quarter sacks and interceptions, as you mentioned, they're among the best in the league at those. But when you give up 380 yards passing to Mac Jones, we do raise an eyebrow. And I saw that, you know, like NFL live was talking about that the other day and you absolutely wonder, okay, are you going to be able to do that in the playoffs? So how are you playing down the stretch? Are, are you coming together? Are the schemes fitting? That matters a lot. And then of course they're playing for the number one seed. So I think that there's a ton of motivation to play for that one seed. Who doesn't want to sit at home and watch everybody else play for an entire round and get that automatic win. So uh, I think there are a lot of things to find out down the stretch. Uh, it's just different for us, right? I mean, since you arrived in Minnesota, it's been uh, in the hunt graphic. Now you're at the top yeah. of that graphic. You don't have to worry about it. I don't know how to feel about it. I've, I've been covering NFL teams for the past five years, and this is the first time I have ever worked with a playoff team. So th this is this is all new to me. And uh, I think my last question is going to end on that note is I, I talked to Nate Burleson earlier this week, the interviews on Vikings.com and uh, I'm a big Lion King fan, and um, I, I quoted a Lion King quote from Mufasa, and he said, "You believe in yourself, and there will come a day when others will have no choice but to believe with you. This Minnesota Vikings team believes in themselves. Why should people start believing in them? I think that Vikings fans after that game on Thanksgiving are probably buying in uh, now that, you know, by the numbers, there's a lot of reasons to ask questions. Um, but uh, the way I would look at it for Vikings fans is ride the wave because you usually, for most franchises, you get one or two shots a decade where you have a season where everything comes together the way that this has. So embrace it. Embrace it, Vikings fans, and brace yourselves for another big one on Sunday because the 74 New York Jets are coming to U.S. Bank Stadium trying to continue their win streak while the Vikings are trying to start a new one. So uh, for Matthew Collar from the Purple Insider, uh, producer Eric Davidson. My name is Gabe Henderson. Thank you all for tuning into another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. Talk to you all next week.